You may be seated. I will pray in a minute. You may. This isn't going to be very spiritual at the beginning, so. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, it's nice to be back with you. I have been away for five weeks, yeah, a long time. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's since I'm, I'm back and actually haven't been at uh, preaching on Sunday morning for, I guess, four months or so, so they decided they wanted to record it so that my, so that my dad could hear it back in Wisconsin. So, no, that would be about the one person who would listen to it. So, certainly none of you here would hear this again. It's like, oh, boy. So, no, it's nice to be with you. Had a great vacation and was uh, at Christ Our Savior Church in Torrance the last couple of weeks. And that was a church that Father Charles, some of you may remember, um, our blessed brother, Father Charles, uh, that he had served at as a supply priest for about 16 months. So, they needed a priest and... It was a good experience for me. And I have a lot of sermons. I gave them like three sermons during Holy Week. So I have brought them all. <laughs> brought them all. And, uh, you know, that's why, you know, Esther can do some editing to kind of get it down to Father Jose length of a sermon. You know, I guess what? We don't have to be out of this building till two. So I guess I can go till one o'clock. Is that right? I think then we can, we can finish up till we have till three. Oh, thank you, Spencer. What, did you negotiate that, uh, that extension? No. Seriously, no, it's great to be with you this second Sunday of Easter. You know, you could have been other places, like you might have been at Rome, possibly, uh, as uh, two, um, you know, men that, uh, you know, maybe had a little bit of, just a little more significance than, than I have on the Christian scene. Uh, Pope John Paul II and Pope John the 23rd, who I looked at that picture of John the 23rd and I said, boy, that looks like Charles in 50 years. <laughs> For those of you who don't know Father Charles, he's 32 years old and uh, shaves the head off completely. And so did that look like uh, Brother uh, John the 23rd. They're being canonized as saints today. So, you know, seriously, that's a, that's a huge deal. And, uh, and it's a huge deal for us, you know, to be here this second Sunday uh, in Easter as we continue through this Easter season to celebrate the resurrection of our risen Lord Jesus Christ. So now I'm going to get serious. Uh, I think I've gotten at least a few things out. So uh, let us pray. Father God, I just give you thanks that uh, we can come here today to worship you and to celebrate the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And I just thank you for sending Jesus and for the difference that he makes in our lives and in this world. And that Jesus is the reason for any season, and of certainly none more than this Easter season as we celebrate the resurrected Lord. And I just pray that, um, as he told his disciples 2,000 years ago, his message of peace be with you, that we would fully walk and embrace the peace with God that Jesus gives to us and that we would receive and that we would open our hearts to receive the Holy Spirit that you make available to us to allow us to be in relationship with Jesus Christ and with you, God, our Father, 
and to be empowered for the work of ministry that you've called each and every person who calls on Jesus Christ as Lord, Lord and Savior to do. Because you have a call, you have a plan, you have a destiny for all of us, God. And I just pray, Lord, that uh, somehow, some way, you could just take these words that I bring and, and help uh, my brothers and sisters in, in some you know, small way, Lord, uh, in their walk with Jesus Christ. And uh, we just give you this time during this sermon through the rest of our service, and especially as we celebrate and partake in the body and blood of Jesus Christ at Holy Communion. We just thank you for your presence here in our midst, and we just pray for more and more of Jesus inside of us each and every day. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, I guess it's easy, especially during Easter week, to go back 2,000 years. And I would ask you to do that and then put yourselves in the shoes of the apostle and disciple Simon Peter. And let's take a look at, through today's readings, and I think we certainly see, you know, during a Holy Week, how the risen Lord Jesus Christ, and we will continue to see how the risen Lord Jesus Christ transformed Peter as we proceed through these next several weeks, you know, to Pentecost. Simon the fisherman, that's how he started off in, in the Gospels. He became Peter the disciple when Jesus said to him and his brother Andrew, follow me. Peter was perhaps the leading disciple and the disciple upon whom Jesus said he would build his church. People, Peter was the disciple who said that I will never deny you. I would never do that, Jesus, even if everyone else would do it. You know, and especially John and, you know, the rest of these disciples. You know, they may, they may abandon you, but never me, not Peter the Rock. Peter experienced a great three-year ride with Jesus, but everything changed when Jesus was seized by the Jewish religious authorities and the Roman soldiers and when he was sentenced to death on the cross. And in John chapter 20, the time is Sunday evening. It's three days after Jesus was crucified on the cross and Peter and other followers of Jesus were in Jerusalem. And just that Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, uh, Joanna, Salome, they had gone to the tomb where Jesus laid and they saw that it was empty. And all they saw were his, the clothes that he was wearing. And then that linen veil that was on his head was neatly folded up. And then because of what the women had seen, Peter and John went and they verified. They also saw that Jesus' tomb was empty. And then Mary Magdalene even had Jesus appear to her that Sunday morning. And so then this was told to the disciples. And then they also... Sometime during their meeting Sunday, Sunday evening, they would have known that uh, Cleopas and his companion had seen the risen Lord Jesus on the walk to Emmaus. So it's, it's, a, it's dark, it's Sunday evening, and the disciples locked their doors in the house where they were meeting. They were probably up on the second floor, what we now call the upper room, because they were understandably afraid that the Jewish leaders were going to possibly seize them and, and maybe kill them. And Matthew 28 tells us that the Jewish 
religious leaders had been spreading a rumor that the disciples had stolen Jesus' body. That's why the tomb was empty, even though there was a big stone in front of the tomb and the tomb was sealed so that nobody, nobody could get in. So they were, the disciples were despondent. And Peter would have been especially forlorn and ashamed because he had denied his Lord three times. He had denied even knowing Jesus as Jesus was about to be sentenced to crucifixion. So the disciples were hurting and they were in great need. And at that moment, the risen Lord Jesus came into their room and said to them, Peace be with you. He showed them his hands and his side where the nail holes still were, so that they, know, that they would know that it was He. And the disciples rejoiced, and they were exuberant when they saw Jesus. And Jesus repeated His greeting, Peace be with you. And with these words of peace, and, and note that He repeated this twice, Jesus restored their, His relationship with them by doing this, and He forgave His disciples who had deserted him after he was captured, interrogated, after he was beaten with a whip, that uh, a leather whip that had bone fragments in it so that it would just tear away at the flesh when he was flogged and being crucified on the cross. Only John was anywhere to be found at the cross. No one, they all needed these words of peace, but no one needed these words of peace more than Peter. But Jesus did more than forgive Peter and the others when he came to them. He also said to the disciples, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And so Jesus then breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave his disciples the Holy Spirit so that they could could be in relationship with Jesus, that they would have him, because Jesus was going to be going away. And also to give them the power to grow in their relationship with Jesus, and also to go out and do the ministry of Jesus, the ministry that Jesus had done for the three years that he had been with them, the ministry that we read in our Gospels. Because Jesus knows when he ascends to the Father, and that's going to be happening soon, they are going to need Holy Spirit power to have to grow and to maintain a strong faith and to be a bold witness of Jesus Christ and to have the power to do the works of God in the name of Jesus Christ. So let's start and look at the faith a little bit. And the disciples are going to need a faith that's a whole lot stronger than the faith we see in Thomas during this first Sunday and in the Gospel reading that Deacon Diane read so powerfully. And before, you know, it sounds like I'm slamming on Thomas, uh, I'm not going to say that I would have necessarily acted any, any differently. Um, I, I wouldn't have been called to be one of those 12 disciples even. So, but if I had been, um, I certainly would. I don't know that I would act any different than Thomas. But these disciples are going to need a faith that believes in Jesus without physically seeing him or seeing enough to really understand because i don't know about you we have this we have so much well they had jesus but we have 
the Word of God. And there's so many things that I don't understand and, and I get about this. So, you know, we're never going to see totally. But Thomas was demanding, you know, that he could, I, I don't care, you know, you're my, my, my ten brothers and there's other disciples. I don't care what, uh, you know, what you've, what you've seen, you know, whether you believe uh, these women and unfortunately the witnesses of women back during Jesus' time were not relied upon nearly as much as men's. So I, I don't know whether that had something to do with it, but he goes, unless I can see those holes in his hand and in his sides, and unless I can kind of touch it, I will, not, I will not believe that Jesus is risen and that you know, he has appeared to us. So as we look at Thomas... You know, the question that we need to keep, we need to ask ourselves is how strong is our faith? And what are we doing to strengthen our faith in Jesus? Because it all starts with faith. These are activating what the salvation that Jesus brings. You've got to have faith. Well, in this gospel, we also see and know that the disciples need the Holy Spirit to boldly witness Jesus with power. And moving to Acts chapter 2 and our friend Peter, we see Peter's faith in action and we see his bold witness on display. And if we, as we go further into Acts, we see Holy Spirit power doing healings in the name of Jesus. And our reading in Acts chapter 2 kind of breaks in, you know, joins Peter's Pentecost sermon, you know, about maybe a third or at least a third of the way in to the sermon. So he's in, in Jerusalem and he's telling the crowd that they had been filled with the Holy Spirit of God, as the Old Testament prophet Joel had prophesied. God has poured out His Spirit upon humanity and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter is preaching this. And then in our reading, and I'm going to go a few verses beyond Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 36, Peter clearly summarized the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to read part of that from Eugene Peterson's The Message Bible, which some of you, I sometimes read it. It's one of my favorite Bibles. So beginning at verse 22 to 24, Peter says, Fellow Israelites, listen carefully to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man thoroughly accredited by God to you, the miracles and wonders and signs that God did through him are common knowledge. This Jesus, following the deliberate and well-thought-out plan of God, was betrayed by men who took the law into their own hands and was handed over to you. And you pinned him to a cross and killed him. But God untied the death ropes and raised him up. Death was no match for him. And this didn't catch Jesus or God by surprise. They knew this was going to happen. This was their plan to save the world. A plan that no human being would come up with. Jesus wasn't the type of king that even his disciples were looking for. And they don't get it after the 40 days before just as he's about to leave them and go up they're still in acts chapter 1 before he tells them that the holy spirit's going to come down with power they're asking is now the time that you're going to redeem israel 
And what they're looking for is that that, that evil Roman rule is going to be gone and Israel is going to be in charge again, like they should be. That's what they're looking for. But God had other... God's kingdom is not like earthly kingdoms, not like human kingdoms, people kings' kingdoms. No, not at all. And then, so that's... You know, that, that's, what, that's what happened to Jesus. That he went to the cross and he rose from the dead. And then Peter goes on in verses 29 to 34. And he cites what David prophesied. And it's in our, part of it's in our psalm, our reading from the Psalms. Because King David, that is, it is from David's ancestors that the Messiah would come. That's why this is so important. So he lays out what Jesus did, who he is, and then now... Here's the Old Testament that prophesied about this Jesus. And he says in verses 29 to 34, Dear friends, let me be completely frank with you. Our ancestor David is dead and buried. His tomb is in plain sight today. But being also a prophet and knowing that God had solemnly sworn that a descendant of his would rule his kingdom, seeing far ahead, he talked of the resurrection of the Messiah. No trip to Hades. No stench of death. This Jesus, God raised up. And every one of us is here is a witness to it. Then raised to the heights at the right hand of God and receiving the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father, He poured out the Spirit He had just received. This is what you see and hear at the beginning of Acts chapter 2. It's Jews from every nation speaking in their own native languages. They're not drunk. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 36, Peter concludes, All Israel then know this. There's no longer room for doubt. God made him master and Messiah, this Jesus whom you killed on a cross. So the crowd heard this and they asked, What shall we do? They were cut to the heart. They had to respond. So Peter says to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter goes on and he testifies with many other arguments, we're told. And as a result, 3,000 people received Peter's message and were baptized that day. And just to, you know, 3,000 is, is a lot of people. Well, well would we love to have 3,000 people, huh? Added to the church? We'd be able to buy a building. Um, I guess that's, you know, if we had a good stewardship campaign after that. Um, but, but just to put it in perspective, that's six times the 500 followers of Jesus who saw the risen Lord Jesus appear that Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians 15. That is quite amazing growth. And we see that again, and I believe it's Acts chapter 4. Once again, another few thousand are added after you know Peter is out preaching and then doing some of the, the healings of God. And what we see you know, in this sermon... This is not Simon the fisherman. This is Peter, the rock, the disciple on whom Jesus said, 
he would build his church. Peter had been transformed and displayed Holy Spirit power as he proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified. And Peter continued to boldly preach the gospel with power, even though Jewish temple leaders would jail him, threaten him and John and tell them, you know, stop, stop preaching this. And Peter said, no way. And we also see that Peter healed people, including a man who was lame for over 40 years in Acts chapter 3. And he did this by calling in faith on the name of Jesus Christ. He, in that one in Acts chapter 3, he just stretched out his hand, he held them, and he said, In the name of Jesus Christ, arise. And the man, arise, jumped up and could walk. And he was jumping around and he had his own praise party. And that power is available to us today, to those who believe. Because, and that's also what Jesus wants us and calls us to go out and do. Because the second time Jesus said, peace be with you, he also said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And he sends us, those who believe in Jesus, who call, or call ourselves disciples, to proclaim and show forth the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is God's you know, rule and reign, the way God intended things to be. And that the first thing that the kingdom of God, that he intends, is that hearts of people would be aligned with him, would be worshipful of Jesus, would praise Jesus, would want to spend time with him, would want to make Jesus the most important thing in their lives above all else. Not that we don't have earthly concerns we need to take care of, and we are human. But first and foremost, he wants all of our hearts. And then also, he wants us to go out and to proclaim that word. And we proclaim that in word, and we also proclaim that in deed. That's, you know, through acts of, of mercy, compassion, helping people in need, and doing it in the love of Jesus Christ, and just our, our interactions. And then, you know, whether it be as simple as, as smiling and then giving a reason for why we are the way that we are. And also to be able to maintain that peace with God that he gives us in spite of the circumstances that we may be going through, whether it may be through, through bad health, through sickness, through disease, whatever it is that we're, we're going through. And also, he gives us Jesus and the Holy He gives, it, gives us himself and his Holy Spirit power so that we can go through the challenges that, that we may face and that we can give him glory for that. Because this kingdom of God is the most important thing in the world. And it's a, it's a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. And when we have Jesus, when we call on Jesus as Lord, we've been given a brand new life and we have everything to live for. And Peter himself, 30 years later, after... The resurrection, 
and Pentecost, he writes his epistle, 1 Peter. So Peter has had 30 years of, of ministry, of mighty ministry, of continuing to walk with Jesus. And one of the things he says in the first chapter is that we've been given a brand new life and we have everything to live for. And the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. And I like what Bible commentator Grant Osborne says about the resurrection. In Jesus' resurrection, we enter a new potential and a new reality that replaces defeat with victory, despair with joy, the decay of death with life for eternity. And this new life that Jesus gives to us, it includes our life now, because that future starts now, but it also includes a future in heaven. Because we can live with Jesus now and forever. We just have to believe that Jesus is the Lord and the Christ, Messiah. And as the Message Bible says in Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 to 9, he talks, Peter talks of how great this God is. And then what this God causes his heart to do when he says, You never saw him, yet you love him. You still don't see him, yet you trust him with laughter and singing. Because you kept on believing, you'll get what you're looking forward to, total salvation. You will be saved from sin when you call upon Jesus and believe that he died on the cross and rose again for the sins of the world. And this salvation through faith in Jesus Christ is the good news of the gospel. Because God desires that none would perish. As John said early in his gospel, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 16, because he so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, so that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So I ask you today, if you do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah, Son of God, what is holding you back? Because you're missing the best that life is has to offer, no matter what the world says. You're, you're missing the brand new life with Jesus Christ as Lord because it's the best way to live. You don't have to worry about when things go wrong as long as you look to Jesus, you put that at the foot of the cross. And, and you, things may not get better for you on this side of eternity, but you have eternity to look forward to when you put Jesus first, and you can walk with him for the rest of your days here. It can't get any better than that. That's the best way to live. And for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, God calls you and me to pass our faith on to others, our faith in Jesus Christ to others. You know, it's like, it's the same, it's, it's no different than one beggar who's looking for food telling another beggar where to get some food, because that's really... Without Jesus, that's what we are. We are beggars. We, I don't know about you, I don't have a whole lot on my own. And like Peter, my life's a lot different than it was, I can't even count that, that high. Is it 30 years? No, 20 years or more you know, back, um, you know, before Jesus and, and after Jesus. And that's our call today, just as it was 2,000 years ago, to share Jesus with others. And Matthew finishes his gospel with those famous words and that call and that mission 
for all disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Life with Jesus is so good, we want to share that. We should want to share that and let others have that. And we, we need to help others who are disciples because there's the, the teaching commandment you know, to grow in our relationship. We need Christian community. And we need that ourselves to be able to be the best disciples that God wants us to be, to be all that he would have us to be, and to go out and do this work because this work of a disciple is not easy. But it is the only true and lasting hope that the world has. And that's what Jesus Christ brings. And he brings that to people from every tribe and nation. But he needs our help. He needs all Christians to go out and to share the gospel in word and deed and in our conduct, our conversation and character. That is the call. So as I leave you, as I leave this pulpit now, I pray and ask all of us to fully embrace Jesus' call to be that is all that he has called us to be and to be disciples of Jesus Christ who have a faith that is strong, that can withstand the challenges, the trials, the temptations, the tests of time that we are going to face and to be able to go out boldly to proclaim Jesus Christ to a lost and hurting world with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.